Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome into Stacking the Box podcast with Sterling Holmes and Ian McMillan. I am Sterling Holmes. We are at a point in the season where every team is talking themselves into why they have a chance. No better time than the NFL draft where everyone, every fan has given their team an A-plus grade. Ian, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Not, And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I haven't completely yet recovered from... Uh, my Falcons taking Bijan Robinson number eight overall. I have not ordered the Bijan Robinson jersey yet. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But other than that, I'm doing well because uh, not to get off topic, but my Toronto Maple Leafs won a playoff series for the first time since I was 11 years old, 19 years ago. So I'm 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 doing well. I'm I'm feeling good. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. Uh, I will throw out this caveat before we get into everything we're going to touch on. Yes, we know the dudes have not played a single live snap in an NFL game. I understand the grades we are giving out is all projection. We understand this, but this would be very boring if we said, all right, we just had this incredible NFL draft. We're not going to talk about it. We won't give out winners and losers. So guess what we're going to do? Give out winners and losers. Uh, let's, Let's start first with the winners. Who really won? the 2023 NFL draft? I think the obvious answer uh, is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, They basically just have the best. They now have the NFL version of the best college football defense of arguably of all time in Georgia. Um, The Georgia Delphia Eagle dogs, maybe. Uh, Yeah, it has to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, They have dominated the draft now for a couple of years. They now, are even bigger favorites to win the NFC all after already being the betting favorites. So I don't think there's any other answer other than the Philadelphia Eagles, but also it's always so tough to tell, especially with the later rounds, who knows who found some diamonds in the rough in the later rounds um, and who didn't. So in terms of definitely at the top end of the draft, though, it has to be the Eagles. Yeah. Looking right now, I mean, Jalen Carter at nine. Yes, there are a lot of concerns with his, uh, off the field issues. There are concerns with some on the field issues. If you want to take into account his uh, pro day being nine pounds overweight, I actually walked by him because I was there at the draft. I was covering it. I was walking by him uh, after he gave his presser and he didn't look nine pounds overweight. That looks like a dude who's in shape. So if he had nine pounds overweight before he may have cut that just for this. Um, I will say he was looking pretty good. So he went nine uh, Nolan Smith dropped all the way to 30. Uh, what a great pickup by the Eagles. Uh, I think that's a phenomenal pickup by them. Uh, also, just offensive tackle, t- tackle Tyler Steen from Alabama and the third, Sidney Brown, safety from Illinois, who, who was on a very stout secondary in Illinois, obviously. His teammate going uh, very early in this draft. Um, and then Keely Ringo, cornerback from Georgia. So three Georgia Bulldogs 
taken in four rounds for the Eagles. Um, tough to disagree with what they did. Uh, obviously, I think you can make the case that while the, the upside and talent is there, the two top guys they drafted in Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, uh, there are a little questions. You know, there's, I wonder why Nolan Smith was falling. Is it because of his size concerns? While Micah Parsons has been able to do it, is he the outlier? Uh, with Jalen Carter, is there enough off-the-field concerns to make you wonder, uh, is that too risky of a pick? Right. Yeah, Jalen Carter is going to be a little bit of a tough one for me. I, I, I was glad the Falcons didn't get him, um, even though I wasn't happy with who they did take. Um, but at the end of the day, the Eagles now have – how many pass rushers do the Eagles have? Eight? Like they can just now cycle in guys all game on fresh legs to attack the quarterback. They already had the highest sack percentage last year. And now to add those two guys, even if even if they pay a little bit, even if you know they end up being good uh defensive players and defensive linemen. Um, the Eagles front seven, they might just run like a four-four <laughs> and just like run all linebackers defensive line. I don't know if anyone's it's bare front, the ball baby. against them. They're they're doing bare fronts every single down. <laughs> it, Hockey rotations, four in, four out. Uh, the Eagles, though, I think uh, they're definitely up there as far as the winners are concerned. Seattle, though, is another team I want to talk about. I loved the pick of Devin Witherspoon, a unknown coming out of high school, going to Illinois, working his way up, then being the first cornerback taken in this draft, fifth overall. Uh, incredible story for Devin Witherspoon, but I think he's going to be an absolute stud. JSN. First wide receiver taken. We had to wait all the way to 20. Seattle was able to bring him in. Obviously, they have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, but JSN, I think, is going to add a very good wrinkle to that offense. And then one of my favorite players, Derek Hall. He was my favorite second-round edge rusher uh, from Auburn, and they were able to give him. So just personally, I love that draft pick for Seattle. Yeah, I'll throw another uh, team out there that I think had a great draft. And part of the reason why they had a great draft was something that wasn't even a player that they drafted. It was something that happened, what was it, the morning of or the day before, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you lock in Lamar Jackson. I know technically that wasn't part of the draft, but then you go and get him uh, another weapon in Zay Flowers. Now all of a sudden Lamar Jackson has the best weapons that he's probably had so far in his career with OBJ, Rashad Bateman, and now Zay Flowers, um, who I like quite a bit. Uh, and then they fill up some holes on defense uh, in, in a little bit later on in the draft. They didn't have a second-round pick, but you get Trenton Simpson from uh, Clemson, a linebacker. Uh, Tavius Robinson, an edge rusher. Uh, cornerback uh, later on with number 57, 157th overall pick. So they filled some holes and also got Lamar Jackson another weapon while finally locking in Lamar Jackson on a deal. So, uh, like I said, it wasn't necessarily – a player that they drafted, but locking Lamar Jackson right before the NFL draft was huge for them. So I think the Baltimore Ravens are another team that's walking away from the weekend as a whole as a winner. One of the more questionable ones, Houston. It's tough to say they didn't win when they ended up with a franchise quarterback and, in my opinion, the best defensive player in the draft. Uh, Will Anderson Jr. had a chance to meet him. I had a chance to interview him on Wednesday morning, and that guy is awesome. Just if you interviewed him, if you talked to him before, if you're a GM sitting in there, it's hard not to say, yeah, I want him. He has the production numbers, obviously, to Alabama, but it's not just the numbers. It's the way he understands everything, the way he is so personable and outgoing. 
it's hard not to say, yeah, I want to build my defense around this guy. Now, how much do you want to take into account personality? But I do think there's something to being a leader and also having the understanding that it's not given, it's earned. He talked about at Alabama when he was there. It was a big deal when he Nick Saban said, you're no longer your number, you're now Will. Like he understand he had to earn his way from being a number to being Will Anderson Jr., and I think that's someone who's going to translate very well to the NFL. So I love the pick. I love C.J. Stroud. Uh, if you've – well, we've done this before. I told you C.J. Stroud was my favorite quarterback coming out of this draft. I love that. But it was also a lot of draft capital to give up to trade back into the yes. first for uh, for Will Anderson. So it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I think the Texans are kind of a team where we have to wait to see whether or not we grade if it's for a win or a loss uh, as a draft for the team. I mean, that's obviously the case with everyone, but even more so with the Texans because if C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson end up being absolute studs for this team and help lead them to the playoffs in a deep playoff run, then that, yeah, the price tag was worth it. But if they don't, even if they just end up being average players, uh, then they lost this draft because they gave up a ton to move back up the number three pick including their first and third pick next year uh so no first round pick for them next year like that's i said that's a heavy price tag to pay but at the end of the day if these two guys end up being the cornerstones of your offense and defense for you know the next decade then it's worth it so the texans more so than anyone else i think we need to wait and see what happens but if it works out for them then hey great move Final big winner I want to go with. Because, again, I'm going to say Houston's a winner right now because I like Will Anderson Jr. that much. I like C.J. Stroud that much. For me, uh, it's tough to go against that. Uh, so I'm going, to, I'm going to not set an offense, and I'm saying Houston Texans were big winners. But the other team in that trade, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, I, I was a big fan of what they did. They got a ton of draft capital. They obviously did not need a quarterback. Kyler Murray, they signed to a long-term deal. So whatever you think about Kyler, he, he's entrenched there as the guy. He will miss a good chunk of the season with injuries. So they're going to be bad either way. But to try and help him out when he comes back, taking Paris Johnson Jr., the best tackle in the draft, six overall. They were able to get B.J. Ojolari, the edge rusher from LSU. Uh, I, I really liked overall what Arizona was able to do, not just with their picks, but also recouping a ton of draft capital. Yeah, I agree. I, I, yeah, I thought that was a great move for the Cardinals, the, the trade with the Texans. They still got their guy, the offensive tackle, uh, Paris Johnson, who I like quite a bit. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Um, I saw, I think he was the first player in a certain amount of time frame maybe ever that got his full college degree in only three years before getting drafted the nfl if, wow. if it's not the first player ever first time in a long time that a player went on to get drafted but made sure he got his degree done in the three years that he was there it's hard to do a college degree in three years so i think that tells you a little something about what this paris johnson guy's about and playing football my right. goodness yeah. <laughs> right. I, I wasn't playing a professional sport there's zero chance i could do it in three years four was tough enough no i play well, i played college football in canada um but i it took me to five years to do my degree um because during I football season i was taking either three or four classes yeah i mean it was canada's canadian football but yeah i played college football what position did you play Guess. Dude, I, I, my, my point, I have no idea. Um, you're a smart guy. I'll say quarterback. I'll try and uh, fluff you up just a little bit here. No, I'm five foot nine, so quarterback wouldn't have worked. Okay, five, I, was, nine. I, I, was, I was a running back. I was a running back. Running back. Uh, I was fast back, back in my day about 50 pounds ago and t a decade ago. Uh, I was a little <laughs> scat back out of the backfield, catching some balls out of the backfield, running some plays off tackle. 
Um, yeah, Why do we not do that. a combine? Why have you and myself not done a combine? I was at the NFL draft and I went to the 40 yard dash because I was going to try and record a whole bunch of stuff. because That'd be hilarious. Uh, if you would have saw the line, I'm not sitting two hours just to, to run a 40. To run a 40. I'm going to go to my local high school and get on that track and try and uh, get under a five, five. If we if we do something in person at all the next couple of years, we'll 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 do a combine together. We'll see Dude. where we where we stack up. Can we also talk about how the fact that these offensive linemen are running like five point zero six, and we're like, yeah, oh, that's, that's slow, dude. And that's that's yeah, that guy's. And we're just sitting here like, I don't think I could run under a five. I was just gonna say, I think a lot of people overestimate how fast they are in a forty yard dash. Uh, running just a five flat is fast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, most the common person is not running faster than a five forty yard dash. So we gave our winners time for the losers. Again, the caveat: these dudes haven't played a snap, so we could be completely wrong in about six months. But there's no fun. So we're gonna go into our losers. Um, the big one for me was the Detroit Lions. Now, the Detroit Lions were a weird case of they got some guys I I kind of dig. And they also got some guys and mostly just position players where I am very much questioning the game plan. Uh, when I was sitting there as a draft was happening, I had some Detroit Lions media members actually across from me in the, uh, in the media room. And when they picked Jameer Gibbs at 12, they all just put their head down. They were not happy. And then they go, all right, we got one more first rounder. What are we going to do with it? Jack Campbell inside linebacker now i'm not saying these aren't good players right but the positional value just is not there unless you were drafting barry sanders and you're drafting uh ray lewis right like that's what these guys have to be you spent two first round draft picks on frankly uh, frivolous positions I know no positions frivolous in the NFL. I understand this. But when you're talking about a team that was so close to making the playoffs last year, so close, and then you spend it on a running back when you already have a plethora of RBs on that team, when you spend it on linebacker, where a middle linebacker, well, where we know in the current iteration of the NFL, the value is not there for that pick, I was scratching my head. Uh, yeah, I think something that we learned, I think one of the big takeaways from the NFL draft this year, and Sterling, I don't know if you saw, but when the, it showed the Lions war room when they drafted Jameer <laughs> Gibbs and they celebrated like they won the Super Bowl. So there, there, there is clearly a disconnect. I don't know if it's just this year or as a whole about how general managers and executives, um, value running backs and how the general public and the general football fan does, because, I mean, I bet um, one of the bets I placed for the draft was that there's going to be less than one and a half running backs taken in the first round. I thought Bijan Robinson would go at some point. I didn't think Jameer Gibbs would be taken until like middle of the second round. That bet died in the first, what was it, 12th pick? Jameer Gibbs came off the board. Um, so it's either us casual fans either don't know how good Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs are, and the NFL team executives do know how good they are. Or what I think is more likely, and maybe this is just because I think I'm smarter than executives because I'm kind of a narcissist, that uh, general managers still think that it's 2002 and that running backs can win you a Super Bowl. Uh, I went through the list of the past Super Bowl winners. The last time a running back was like a key component of a team's offense was 2014 with Marshawn Lynch and the Seattle Seahawks. 
and really he still wasn't the primary guy on the offense. He did play a big role, but I mean, the chiefs won it last year with Pacheco. Like you go down the list, it's a bunch of no name guys. Why are you spending high draft picks on a running back? And, and what's so fascinating to me and, and the one argument that people I think try and bring up that does have a little bit of merit one, the fifth year option for a rookie running back. And, and if you're not going to pay him that second year, that second contract, right. It, it makes a little sense. Two, that you can have one roster spot instead of three. But what I always push back with is, all right, so you have Christian McCaffrey. You're going to have two running backs still on the active roster behind him. It's not just going to be him. Sure, he may be getting 95% of the the carries of the snaps, but you're still going to have two dudes on the active roster behind him. So you're not really saving any uh, any roster spot. You look at what Pacheco – Jarek McKinnon and CEH did last year, early in the season, CEH before he got hurt last year, compared to what, you know, uh, Christian McCaffrey did. Those unsung dudes for Kansas City did more than Christian McCaffrey, but no one wants to bring that up. Just because it took three guys compared to one, it doesn't matter because that one still has two guys behind him on the active roster, so you're not saving any roster spots. But it's fun. It's flashy to have that one guy. That's where I'm at. Right, and I think the linebacker position has kind of turned into the running back of the defense. I think they're very important positions, but they aren't really game changers anymore. Nowadays, you want an edge rusher or a corner that can lock down a receiver by himself and put a receiver on an island. But So the line, the Lions just kind of went old school, just went retro, which is not surprising uh, when you look at who their head coach is, who's kind of a raw, raw, just kind of old school, let's work harder than the other team kind of head coach and Dan Campbell. Uh, I guess it shouldn't surprise us that they went running back and linebacker with their two first-round picks. So, And then um, followed by a tight end right. and a safety. Right. I will say Sam Laporta, I think, is a fine tight end, but they just drafted a first-round tight end in TJ Hawkinson, and look how that played out. Right. So you spend a second-round draft pick on a tight end after you spent first-rounders on a running back and an inside linebacker. How do you follow it up? I think with actually a very good pick. I really like Branch from the safety from Alabama, so I'm not going to really rip on this one. And then they took a chance in the third round on Hendon Hooker. Uh, He's 25 years old. Jared Goff coming off one of his best years as a pro. But I also understand Jared Goff's probably not the long-term answer, but as Hendon Hooker, what's the age difference? I'm going to look it up right now. How old do you think Jared Goff is? I would say Jared Goff is 29. He's 28. I was going to say 28. Damn. Hidden Hooker is 25 coming off of a yeah. massive injury. He's not that much younger. Um, I get it. But it's also like he's not that much younger. And Jared Goff is honestly grown. He's had a really good year. I'm not a big Jared Goff stand. I never thought I'd be taking this approach to Jared Goff. But he was not the issue last year. Give him some help. Uh, give him some offensive line help, but they didn't. A lot of people had Hennon Hooker going first round. Some people had him going, I saw, I think it was Peter Schrager had him going like number 12 overall. And then mm. he goes round three, pick five. Yeah. Uh, quarterbacks were a little interesting, uh, especially with Will Levis. That was the main story, which we will touch on a little bit later. Two more teams I thought had a little down draft, Jacksonville and Dallas. Uh, Dallas, mm. I like their first pick of Maisie Smith. A run stuffer in the first, but after that, Luke uh, Shoemaker, I get it. You had to go a tight end because uh, you lost Dalton Schultz, but just overall, they didn't really give Dak Prescott a ton of help. They didn't give him a ton of offensive line help. They didn't go out and get a wide receiver. 
Uh, I was a little confused by Dallas's game plan. And then Jacksonville was the other one that I had a little bit of questions. Um, Anton Harrison is fine. Uh, Britton Strange tied in. You just brought back Evan Ingram. Talking to the Jacksonville uh, media down there, they think Evan Ingram's only there for one more year. They think this is his final season in Jacksonville, so they had to go uh, with a tight end. So it made a little bit more sense coming at it from that perspective. But they traded down twice in the first round. Felt like they could have passed up on some good help for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and now I'm going to throw one other team name in there that, that I didn't really love their draft, and that's the Jets. Um, I was surprised they went edge rusher with their first pick, and even I didn't even really love the edge rusher they went with and Will McDonald from Iowa State. I thought if you look at the betting market, it was like almost a lock. They were going to go offensive line, um, and if not that uh, offensive line, go receiver and try to get their you know new quarterback some even you know better help. But they went with an edge rusher and an, a bit of a reach on Will McDonald at number 15 overall. I thought there were some better edge rushers that I thought were better than Will McDonald. I mean, I'm no NFL draft scout, but um, uh, Nolan Smith was still there. Uh, Clemson, the, the Clemson edge rusher, Miles Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, went late. He went around 28. I thought the chiefs were going to get Miles Murphy. Right. And he did. So they, they did not. <laughs> I, I thought Will McDonald was a reach at number 15. And I don't even think that was the best position for them to go after. So uh, didn't love the jets uh, first round either. Let's get into the future. Number one was taking Bijan Robinson at eight, a smart move for the Falcons. No, I mean I, I talked about it on the show the past couple of weeks. This is this is a nightmare scenario. I said even okay if we get Bijan Robinson, that's okay. Let's trade down and get him a little bit later, and let's get some more draft capital. Us getting Bijan Robinson number eight is an insane move, but I saw it coming from a mile away because the Falcons executives have made it very clear they want to build through free agency, and then just take the best player available in the draft. But I just don't understand what kind of offense we're going to run. We have Cordero Patterson. We have Tyler Algier, who was a fifth-round pick last year, who was one of the best offensive rookies in the NFL this year, rushed for 1,000 yards. And now Bijan Robinson, where we have one good receiver, a tight end that isn't a blocking tight end, and a second-year, third-round quarterback. Like, are we just going to run, like, a wishbone offense? But then if we do that, like, shouldn't our tight end be a run-blocking tight end, not, like, a purely pass-catcher wide receiver tight end? Like, the I don't army, what our the offense army offense? I think we might just, yeah. Or a triple option. We might run a triple option. I, I don't know what kind of offense we're going to run here, um, mm. especially with how many holes we had. Like, edge rusher would have been great. Christian Gonzalez, who I wanted them to take, was still available. Now, it did make me feel a little bit better that the Lions still gives a few picks later because then I guess maybe they couldn't have traded down and gotten Bijan Robinson, or maybe Bijan Robinson is way better than I think, but it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know where he fits into our offense. I don't know. Like, we only, you can only have so many running backs. I told you, Sterling, I played running back with the amount of <laughs> running backs they're signing. I'm waiting for a call from the Falcons. I might be on the roster next year. They might just have run a roster of 52 running backs. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, this was a head scratcher to be mild and atrocious to put it what I really think. I like B. John Robinson. Uh, heard his interview. Seems like a great guy. Uh, he understands that being taken where he's taken, uh, the outside looking in, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. He went on to say he's not putting any added pressure on himself for being drafted in the top 10 as a running back in today's NFL. But there's going to come a lot of pressure with this move. And I'm intrigued as you are, like you mentioned, with three running backs. All three are very talented. Again, a rookie last year for them ran over a thousand yards in Tyler Algier. 
Cordell Patterson is a, an explosive back. I wonder if they use him more as a receiver this year. Maybe a, that could be in the cards for Cordell Patterson. Um, I just don't understand it. When will teams learn? When will teams learn? It doesn't matter where a running back is drafted. If you have a guy, you have a guy. Tyler, Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson, was more, they were more than capable of putting up the numbers that B. John Robinson would. Uh, I do not like to pick. It was a head scratcher to, pull, to put it mildly again. But uh, I don't know about you, Ian. Is there any chance you see Patterson out wide as a receiver at times next year? Yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna have to probably use him more as as a receiver this year. Maybe as a, he was a, he was primarily their goal line back. Uh, maybe Bijan takes that rollover. So yeah, probably receiver. Maybe return some some kickoffs a little bit more. Um, I just while you're talking there, Sterling, I just looked up the list of running backs that have been drafted in history, and I tried to find the last time that a running back was selected inside the top ten. And now looking back, he was worth a top 10 pick. I think you have to go back to Adrian Peterson. who was picked seventh overall in 2007 by the Vikings. I think that ended up being probably a good pick for the Vikings. But you look at the list of guys who are taken in the top 10 as running backs the past, you know, 15 years. They're a bunch of bums. Guys well, who, Saquon's not a bum. Sa- no, Saquon, obviously very talented, but... Are the Giants Injured. a better team? Have have the Giants improved with Saquon there? Probably not. Is he even going to be on the Giants much longer? Probably not. Let's look a little bit before that. Leonard Fournette, fourth overall by the Jaguars in 2017. Ezekiel Elliott, 2016 by the Cowboys. Todd Gurley, 2015 by the Rams. Uh, then there's a couple of years before we got a first. Trent Richardson went third overall to the Browns in 2012. That didn't work out. Uh, 2010, CJ Spiller went ninth overall to the Bills. That didn't work out. 2008, Darren McFadden went fourth overall to the Raiders. That didn't work out. And then he got Adrian Peterson in 2007. Even Reggie Bush in 2006 to the Saints. That didn't really work out. Like, I like how how much more history do you want to prove that taking a running back in the top ten is not a good use of your pick? Uh, Ian, we got to watch out for him. He might be chugging bleach sometime soon. So if you see Ian going into a store uh, in New York looking for bleach, do not sell it to him. Yes, correct. Uh, Looking in the future, number two, did the Chiefs reach on Felix and Udike Uzama? Uh, I'll let you, uh, as as the Chiefs guy here, answer this one. Um, I say no. I don't think, I mean, if they were set on, on getting an edge rusher, I don't think it was too big of a reach, but I guess my question is what, why I, was edge rusher the position they go with? Should they yeah. have gone receiver? Should they have gone offensive line? Could they have traded up? Could they have traded down? Now trading down would have been tough because the draft was in Kansas city. So, I mean, you know, this being there, I think it would have been tough for chiefs fans to be sitting there watching all round waiting for the chiefs to pick. And then it gets to the chiefs picks and they trade out and they're like, Oh, we're just not even going to make a selection today. That would have been tough. Uh, but I guess I'm just, I, I, I guess I'm just not sold on them going edge rusher to begin with. But in terms of this player himself, if they wanted to go edge rush, I don't think it's too much of a reach. Yeah, going edge was definitely in the cards. It was it was edge, wide receiver, tackle, and that was the way the Chiefs board fell in the first, second, and third round. Uh, they got the positions of need for them. Were the players the right pick? That remains to be seen, but at least got the positional value correct. With FAU, um, Actually, before I get to him, the Chiefs did try trading up multiple times. I have a lot of sources that have told me specifically, yes, they tried, but it takes two to tango. Um, I guess it's easier said than done sometimes. Yeah, I know the Cowboys was the one that was reported, but there are a few other ones where the Chiefs tried trading up and the other team basically said kick rocks. They they weren't going to trade with the Chiefs. They don't want to make the Chiefs better. I get it. I understand. 
Uh, trading back, I, I think, was a potential option, and Brett Veach brought this up, but he goes, they didn't want to get cute. They, they liked FAU. They knew that if he was there, they were going to take him. Uh, they thought maybe we could get him at 36, 37, but they said the only place he could trade back to was around 40 or to the mid-40s. Mm. And at that point, he was going to be gone. Yeah. So is it a slight reach? Uh, if you want to say that, sure. Like, was he the best player on the board? Maybe not, but two or three guys isn't a huge deal. I like the pick overall. FAU was a K-State guy. He was actually in the Kansas City area that day, even though he wasn't, you know, in the green screen. Fun story for him. I was doing some hits down there at Rally House in the Plaza. He actually came by to do some uh, meet and greets with fans the day of the draft. So he's meeting and greeting with some fans. Little does he know that he's going to be drafted by his team, that he was a fan of growing up watching Matt Castle, two and a half hours east of where he played college football at K-State. Uh, he was walking around the crowd at the NFL draft, going unrecognized. I mean, this could not have been more of a storybook ending, more of a storybook day for Felix and Udike Uzama. Um, awesome for him. The reason why I'm enchanted by this at least a little bit he played in a 3-3-5 at K-State. It's a very unique style of defense, not an NFL-style defense at all. But mm. because of that, he put up huge numbers whilst getting double-teamed. Right. So he put up numbers in a poor system for him. Imagine what he's going to do in a normal 4-3 or at least a normal defense here in Kansas City. Uh, Joe Cullen's a hell of a defensive coordinator or defensive, um, defensive line coach. Uh, I am very excited about Felix and UDK Uzama. I don't think the upside is as great as um, some guys, but I like the floor and he offers something a little different than last year's first round edge pick in George Karloftis. Overall, uh, I think they did a good job, even if it wasn't the most exciting pick overall. I agree with everything you said. Um, great points. I can't get over and I still get reminded of this all the time recently around the draft is how young these guys are. The fact that he grew up watching Matt Castle, a quarterback, like in, in my mind, Matt Castle was quarterback for the chiefs like five years ago. I know it was like a little <laughs> bit longer than that. Uh, it was like when I, I was interviewing Christian Gonzalez before the draft and he said the player that, <laughs> that he liked watching when he was growing up was Odell Beckham jr. I'm like, Oh, Oh my God. I was in college. <laughs> right. Oh, I was in college. Uh, yeah. It's, oh, it's, that's a kick in the stones. Like that, That's a P.J. Tucker little nut tap, yeah. which if you guys didn't see that yesterday, uh, P.J. Tucker for the Sixers just absolutely uh, hit Jason Tatum and the family jewels in a basketball game. Very Draymond Green-esque. Yes. Um, but yeah, overall, I like what the Chiefs did, and I like this pick. I'm excited to see what uh, he's going to bring to the table. Uh, and again, they were able to get wide receiver in the second, offensive tackle in the third. Were they – the best edge at the position at one, two, three, as far as first, second, third round, that remains to be seen. Uh, second round, Rasheed Rice is going to have a lot of pressure on him just based on that they were trading up to get him. And the receivers that went after him uh, remind you a little bit of Sky Moore and McCole Harbin. So that's going to be um, fun to watch. Uh, let's go into the future number three. Who was the biggest day one steal? I think it was Christian Gonzalez. Where do you go to the Patriots? Number 17. Uh, I mean, I had him going to the Falcons at number eight, and I wasn't entirely sure if he was even going to last until then. So uh, I think when we did the show last week or the week before, um, and we had to predict a, a Hall of Famer from this class, my pick was Christian Gonzalez just because of his athleticism um, and his natural physical capabilities. And if he's able to 
and his versatility as well. If that can translate over to the NFL level, I think Christian Gonzalez is going to be a fantastic NFL player. I was shocked he fell all the way down to the Patriots. Um, I did not like that because I hate the Patriots. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll say Christian Gonzalez is the biggest steal of the draft. I like that one a lot. And your pick last week looking even better. Him going to the Patriots obviously helps his case. Uh, Bill Belichick, as we all know, always has great defenses. He will put him in the best chance or the best place to succeed. Um, I had two guys, JSN going 20th overall to Seattle. I think that was, in my opinion, he was a clear cut wide receiver one. Yeah. I didn't trust Quentin Johnson. I didn't trust Zay Flowers. I didn't trust uh, Jordan Addison, but I trust JSN. So him going 20, I thought, well, hell, good for Seattle. I know that he have two top end wide receivers, at least one top end, one very much above average in Tyler Lockett. So adding JSN maybe wasn't the play they needed to go, but I don't know how you don't take him when he's sitting right there. I like that pick. And then Nolan Smith. Right. Nolan Smith, when I saw him drop, when I see Miles Murphy and Nolan Smith still on the board, I go, the Chiefs are getting one of these two dudes. It's going to happen. Then Miles Murphy goes. And then you see the Eagles picking at 30. And I'm trying to talk myself into it, saying, well, their defensive line's so good. They just took another defensive lineman at number nine in Jalen Carter. Yeah. They don't need to go after Nolan Smith. But then I realized uh, it's the Eagles in his defensive line, and it's a player from Georgia. Of course they're going to go Nolan Smith. Um, that was maybe my favorite pick overall in the first round, just based on value alone. Again, everything remains to be seen, but we're doing this on May 2nd right now. And as far as the value of that pick, I love it for the Eagles. and I love it for Nolan Smith. Can't argue. Uh, let's go into the future. Number four, which quarterback landed in the best situation? Uh, I'm going to say Anthony Richardson. I think uh, with the Colts there, I think there's no pressure for him to start right away, which is very good for Anthony Richardson. He's a guy who I think a lot of people feel might have a very high ceiling, but isn't quite NFL ready. Uh, So does he sit the whole year or not? I don't know. That's up for debate, but at least the very start, you got to think Gardner Minshew is probably going to start over him, gives him a little bit of time to learn um, how to play quarterback at the NFL level. Um, the Colts don't have a terrible team, even though they had uh, the fourth overall pick. They got some guys on on, on the Colts uh, as well. Uh, and if he doesn't play for at least another year, they have a year to give him even more weapons and more support. So I'll say Anthony Richardson. And another name that I'll throw out there is uh, Stetson Bennett, who went to the Rams. He knows Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, how, who knows how much time he has left in the NFL with his injuries that he's dealing with. So obviously he's a late, he ended up going in the fourth, which is way earlier than most people thought. And who knows if he's ever going to get, get a chance to start, but out of all the situations, that's got to be one that he's got to like quite a bit. He gets to start behind a, a Georgia guy that he knows in Stafford. He gets to learn the system. There's, he's going to have a year or two and he might also end up getting an opportunity if Stafford's injury issues keep acting up if his elbows uh, keeps being an issue for him. So um, obviously not a, a number, a first round pick or anything like that, but Stetson Bennett got to be happy with, with, uh, where he ended up as well. Yeah. I like both of those. I think Anthony Richardson's an interesting one. Cause it kind of also sounds like at times, uh, was it, was a ba- not Ballard. Um, who's the owner of the Colts? The Jim Ursay. Jim Ursay. Yeah. Uh, sounds like Jim Ursay wants him to start. Sounds like he's really wanting to see Anthony Richardson out there which that's a lot of pressure on him. Again, as we all know, a high upside guy who's probably not ready. Uh, it's not like Gardner Minshew as much as I like Gardner Minshew for the mustache, soul patch, and the uh, the attitude that he brings. He's not the best QB. 
He seems no. more like a fine backup. I'm with you to an extent on the roster because I even had um, them winning their division last year. I thought the Colts were going to win the uh, the AFC South. I had them winning the Super Bowl, so because they had Matt Ryan, so yeah, well, that that was a bad pick. That was. Um, I don't think I can take anything you have said seriously. Now I don't want to agree with you on anything. Well, my guy Matty Ice was there. I thought he was gonna. I thought he was gonna lead into the promised land. I think Matt being... Ryan is cheeks, dude. Well, he, like, we we know that now. We know that now. His last like two years in Atlanta, he was two scoops of ass. What are no, you talking about? Stop! Don't trash my boy Matty Ice like that. I'm going to. Okay, uh, silly. You hate all quarterbacks who play for the Falcons. That's a fact. I, I don't. I love Michael Vick when he was playing on the field. Um, no, I, I get what you're saying with the Colts. They should have a decent roster, but also part of me says maybe we overvalued how good their their overall roster was. Because, yeah, Matt right, Ryan was right. bad, but the rest of that team didn't look good either. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Alec Pierce. I like Michael Pittman Jr., but the offensive line was not as good as we thought. Uh, Jonathan Taylor got injured. Uh, their defense was not as good as it once was. Um we might be overvaluing a little bit, a little bit of that Colts roster overall. Uh, the, the guy I'm going to go with as far as a QB in the best situation is Will Levis. Will Levis going to Tennessee, uh, going to sit behind Ryan Tannehill, I'd assume, for at least a year. Uh, a lot less pressure being drafted in the second round. I know it's kind of a silly thing because he was supposed to be the second quarterback taken overall. I do think there's something to be an okay well, there's a reason why he wasn't drafted in the first round. There might be a little less pressure on Will Levis. Uh, I think the Tennessee Titans have done a good job finding ways to win games, even when it's not reliant on the quarterback. So, again, less pressure on Will Levis. Um, the weapons aren't the best in Tennessee, but I think they're decent enough. They're decent enough, and they won't be playing this year, I don't think, in Will Levis. So I like Will Levis where he landed up. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Um, sucks for him, obviously. I think the reports came out of Anthony Richardson were, was already drafted by the time the Colts picked at number four overall. They're, they were going to go Levis. So he went from you know what reports were indicating is going to be a top five pick, if not a top ten pick, to all the way dropping to the second round. But he's landed in a pretty good spot there in Tennessee. He'll be all right. Yeah. Um, I get why he didn't stay, but how cool was it? Was it was it Branch that stayed and went on stage in the second round? And his response basically was, was um, you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm not going to miss this. I like that that attitude from, from I think, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought it was Branch. So I thought that was pretty, pretty damn cool. Um, even though I'm not the biggest Will Levis guy, I don't think he's going to be a great quarterback by any means. I think he landed in a good spot. But let's look into the future, number five. What was your biggest surprise of the NFL draft? Uh, biggest surprise for me was the Texans, and this we've already touched on this, but the Texans trading back into the number three spot uh, to then take uh, Will Anderson. Uh, the question was for a long time what, he, what they were going to do at the number two spot. People thought they might trade out of that spot. People thought they'd go quarterback. People thought they might go Will Anderson. Nobody saw them taking CJ Stroud and then trading for the number three spot and then taking Will Anderson, taking both the guys uh, that people thought might go at number two. So uh, we talked about it earlier, an all-time gamble on those two players. If it works out and, you know, they're cornerstone of their offense and defense for the next uh, decade, then great move. But if not, they gave up a ton to do that. So that was the biggest surprise. Nobody saw it coming and um, it, questionable from a draft capital standpoint from what they gave up. So Texans moving back into number three. It was pretty cool seeing CJ Stroud shaking hands, taking pictures. And all of a sudden you hear the Texans have traded up 
now on the clock. And you just see the look on his face, just thrilled, excited. Who are they going to take? Seeing a player in that situation still on stage as their team is drafting again was so fun. Uh, But I'm with you. That was obviously a massive surprise. Uh, Obviously, we touched on Will Levis falling to the second round. But my biggest surprise was two running backs taken before a single wideout was taken. In today's NFL, you're seeing wide receivers going earlier and earlier in teams building their offenses around these guys and rookie wide receivers having major impacts year after year now, right? Two running backs taken before any wide receiver. And then all of a sudden, the, the four consensus, or for this, the most part, wide receiver graded guys all went in a row, 2021, 20, 22, 23, starting with JSN. I just think that was a huge surprise to me. Yeah, and I think we've touched on the, this one already a little bit. Uh, GMs, I guess, value running backs more than football fans do in general, or these two running backs are all-time world-level, Hall of Fame-level talent, which I don't think they are, so we'll see. Um, I see uh, Chris Albright in the chat. Appreciate you. Says Kansas City got some decent UDFAs. Can't deny that. I agree, actually. Uh, one of the guys I'm really excited about was Reese Taylor, a cornerback from Purdue. If you look at his relative athletic score, which, again, uh, you might be saying, what the hell is that? It's based on a scale of 1 to 10, how athletic a dude is based on a whole bunch of these uh, numbers. And he ranks 185 out of 2009 cornerbacks from 1987 until now. So obviously there's a reason why he wasn't drafted, but if you're going to take a shot on a guy, Reese Taylor with that athletic profile is a dude I would take a chance on, especially when the Chiefs have proven time and time again, they've drafted or picked up guys who were unheralded and turned them into viable secondary pieces. Uh, You know, a seventh rounder last year in Jalen Watson, fourth rounder in Joshua Williams, fourth rounder Legereus Sneed, undrafted guy in Traverius Ward. So if you want to take a shot on a guy, Reese Taylor from Purdue, keep an eye on him. I'm intrigued about that. Love it. Uh, Let's do some quick hitters in or out. The Eagles will win the NFC again in 2023. I'm in. After the draft that they had, I don't know who competes with them. I don't think the 49ers did anything that made me change my mind about them. I think the Eagles might just run away with the NFC this year. I don't I don't know who's going to challenge them. The Lions? I'm with you, man. I think the Eagles are by far the best team in the NFC. I think second best is uh, the Niners, but I don't think it's particularly close. I mean, I get it. Anything can happen. Injuries can happen. But if I were picking right now, again, on May 2nd, I think it's a rematch. I think it's Eagles Chiefs. Like, I think those are the two best teams overall. Maybe I'm being a little biased with the Kansas City Chiefs, but I don't think so. Um, well, I, I think I think I, I wouldn't argue against the Chiefs being the best team in the AFC, but once it gets to the playoffs, there's teams that can beat the Chiefs realistically. Like they won't be like a six, seven point favorite in sure. the playoffs against their opponents. It's, it's going to be close games against the Bills, against the Bengals, against maybe the Jets, where the Eagles, when they get to the playoffs, they're going to be like a touchdown favorite no matter who they play. Double digits. It's going to be like... Uh, they're playing the Texans. Like the, the NFC is just so weak. They have basically the only real stud QB in the NFC, and their defense is maybe the best of any team in the NFC, arguably with the Niners. At least their pass rush is by far the best in the entire NFL. Um, yeah, man, I, I think the Eagles, uh, if I'm putting it right now, I'm all in on them winning the NFC again in 2023. Uh, Anthony Richardson will start a game in 2023. 
I will say yes. I think it, maybe it'll take at least a, a few weeks. I, I, I hope he doesn't actually. I hope he sits behind Gardner Minshew for the entire year. Give him a, a year to develop. Give the Colts a year to get more weapons and better support around him. Um, but I do not think uh, that Jim Irsay is going to want to wait an entire year to see his shiny new toy in action. So um, I will say yes, he will play. And I'm going to say I'll, I'll call it a week. I'll say week six. I'm in, but I think it's week 12. Oh, okay. I, I, th- I think once the Colts are firmly out of the playoff hunt, once they have no chance, then they'll switch to Anthony Richardson. Um, again, you and I both thought they were going to be a decent team last year. Yeah. Um, they were not. So again, part of me thinks that that was no coincidence that the rosters is not as good as maybe we think it was. So based on that, I don't think they're going to be a good team this year. I don't think all of a sudden them having Gardner Minshew, he's probably at this point about as good as Matt Ryan. I know you're probably going to shake your head, but at this point in their careers, there's probably not a huge difference. So the rest of the team's not picking the quarterback up. Uh, It's going to be too much pressure on Richardson early on. I think around week 12 is when we see Richardson start a game for the Colts. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Or quick hitter in or out. Number three, the lions reached on Jameer Gibbs. I think you and I will both agree here. Yeah, I think we've touched on it. Yes, absolutely. Um, now, not to say that he's not going to be a good running back. I mean, some people are comparing him to Alvin Kamara, but um, number 12 overall pick. Yeah, we've talked about this. This is um, this is insane. Chris Albright even said in the chat, running backs pick that high, especially some cost or basically some cost, especially the lines at 12. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, they had DeAndre Swift. Now, obviously, they traded them, so maybe they were big believers in him, but um I don't know. We'll see. I think it's a reach, though. I'm in on that being a reach. Yeah. Uh, quick hitter in or out number four. Caleb Williams will be the number one pick in the 2024 draft. I'm going to say out. Um, I th- has a receiver ever been selected first overall in the NFL draft? Not that I remember. I don't have the answer to that question. Um, but I, if it hasn't happened, I'm going to say this will be 2024 will be the first year wide receiver will be selected first overall. Marvin Harrison Jr., um, is who everyone's talking about. Um, most mock drafts have him go number two right now behind Caleb Williams. Obviously, mock drafts are insane to do a year out. Um, but from everything I've seen from that kid, he might be the best wide receiver prospect that we've seen in Keyshawn, a long, long time. Keyshawn Johnson. That's right, to the Jets, right? 1996. Yeah. So, so for, I think it'll be the first time since Keyshawn Johnson in 1996 that a wide receiver will go first overall. So I'm out on Caleb Williams being being the first pick. Yeah, I'm out too. Um, I think there's just so much that so much variance. It's very difficult to tell. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler. I know this is only one year compared to when Spencer Rattler came into college football, right? But everyone was saying, "When Spencer Rattler tank for Spencer Rattler in four years?" Right. And next thing you know, he's probably not a first round quarterback. Probably not a fourth round quarterback. Maybe. I mean, right. he he went from Oklahoma to to South Carolina. Uh, I'm out. So yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think Marvin Harrison jr. Might be that dude. Yeah. I don't like agreeing with you. Anytime I agree with a man who said the Colts <laughs> were going to win the Super Bowl, I think I'm out on it. I had Colts winning the Super Bowl. I had Matt Ryan winning MVP. So, and I, I had the Colts beating the Rams in the Super Bowl. So, uh, wow. I could not have been more wrong. Um, but I mean, the Rams were defending Super Bowl champs. So that wasn't that hot of a take, but in hindsight, it looks bad. Now that you say that, I think, um, they did a great job drafting B. John Robinson eighth overall. Because anything you said, I'm going to go against. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's. I'm sure B. John Robinson will score one touchdown uh, in the first week of the season. I'll be all in. I'll be ordering my B. John Robinson jersey. But 
I just I'm, I don't know what kind of offense we're going to run. We might literally run like the wishbone offense. We might throw the ball five times a game. It's going to be hear insane. me out. Hear me out. Okay. Get Chip Kelly. <laughs> there you go. Bring back the Wildcat. That's what the Falcons are trying to do. They're going to get the Wildcat back out. I like it. Yeah. All right. What the hell's going on with you? Uh, NHL playoffs. I mentioned at the top of the show. This is um, I live day to day with uh, just a, a pit of anxiety in my stomach as my Toronto Maple Leafs, my beloved Maple Leafs uh, are in the playoffs. It is the one downside of them moving on to the next round is now every day. I like I'm not sleeping. I'm, I'm just anxious all, all day, every day. Just thinking about when the Leafs next game is. Um, I'm looking at booking my hotel in Toronto for the week of the Stanley Cup final when the Leafs get there. Um, and I'm, I'm locked in on the NHL playoffs. Also, Kentucky Derby is this weekend. And that's always fun. I go to a Kentucky Derby party, so that, that's, that's going to be a good time. But at the end of the day, my, my focus and attention is on my beloved Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, NBA playoffs for me, Sixers last night, getting it done. Mm. Uh, if you're wondering why I'm a Sixers guy, I worked for them for a few years, so I'm still a Sixers fan, and there's no NBA team in Kansas City, not since the mid-'80s when the Kansas City Kings were out here. Uh, Kentucky Derby wise, I went one year. It was the rainiest year in the history of the Kentucky Derby. Uh, it was pretty miserable. It was a lot of fun. It was for my friend's bachelor party. It was great. Uh, he uh. went head first into a pile of mud, uh, just, just full on. He's like six, six and just picture a six, six guy jumping full extension, like Superman into just a big old pile of mud. Um, it definitely got the crowd going. It was a crowd pleaser. Uh, as far as what I'm doing this week, and I'm going to the Blink-182 concert with Ooh, Matt Verderos. Unreal. Yeah. That'll be fun. Heading up to Chicago with uh, former host of this show, Matt Verderam, staying at his house. Probably going to get bullied by his five-year-old daughter. Um, should be fun. Love Blink-182. Yeah. Yeah. I, I harassed Verderam all NFL draft week, and he was here. And just for insider knowledge, dude, you better believe I was just harassing him. I was just giving him a couple beers. Hey spill it what do you got to his credit he was uh not swayed by all the beers i was trying to serve him professional it's professional professional the best (laughs) of the best uh this was the stacking the box podcast with ian mcmillan and sterling holmes make sure you follow ian on twitter at ian MacBets. i-a-i-n-m-a-c-b-e-t-s i'm homestretch kc uh ian before we get out of here are you a mint julep guy Yes. I just love mint in general. Yeah. Mint juleps, mojitos, anything with mint in it. I did too. I had a garden. I grew mint. Ooh. Don't grow mint. Don't plant it in a garden bed. It will take over anything. Oh, you okay. think you've got it out. You think, hey, three years ago, I ripped that that sucker out of there. Guess what's coming up year four? Mint? That mint that you oh. thought you ripped out. Good to know. Advice on stacking the box. Yes, we talk NFL, but we also give advice on what not to plant, and that is mint. Until next time, we're out of here. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.